0: The Green Bay Packers are back from the bye and now prepare to take on the New York Giants. So what's in store when they host Odell Beckham and company? We'll ask Sean Marash of CBS Sports Radio. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. To Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, I'm your host Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for a game against the New York Giants. I've got road construction going out right outside my window today. I hope you can't hear it on the podcast. I know I can, but regardless, I'll turn down the volume during our interview for me, so you can hear our guest loud and clear. And uh, to do that, uh, to preview the game against the New York Giants, we've got somebody coming to you from New York directly, a producer with CBS Sports Radio, Sean Uh, Morash. It's a pre-recorded interview, so I'll cue it up right now. Enjoy uh, this Packers preview. Right now on Railbird Central, we're joined by Sean Morash, a producer for CBS Sports Radio in New York. Sean, how are you doing? Brian, what's
1: going on, man? Uh, not not doing nearly as well as you guys in Green Bay must be doing after a big uh, win two weeks ago and a nice bye week with no stress.
0: <laughs> it's nice to have a week off, and uh, uh, I'm sure the uh, Giants are a little stressed after losing on Monday night football, and I that leads me right into my first question here. You know, the Packers and the Giants have had a common opponent losing to the Vikings. What went wrong for the Giants on Monday night? Can I answer everything? No, I mean,
1: they, uh, let's be honest, the Vikings' defense is phenomenal. They, they have a top-five defense for sure. Uh, right up there with Denver, maybe the best defense in the league. And quite frankly, the Giants seemed ill-prepared for it in, in that building and particularly, I mean, their offensive line allowed uh, the Vikings' crowd to kind of get into it, and Eli Manning really had no trust in his offensive line and, and the fact that they could protect that Vikings' pass rush and threw so many balls in the dirt not really allowing any of his big three wide receivers to get down the field and make plays. And the Giants, quite frankly, played scared last night. And I think a lot of their warts with injuries on defense in the secondary showed up. And they allowed a fifth corner and Trevin Wade, who had to start the game, really get torched by no-name Viking receivers, not even Stephon Diggs. And and yet the Giants still found themselves within seven points in that fourth quarter before uh, you know a garbage time touchdown for the Vikings. But yeah, a little bit of everything, and it just the, the Giants were just outclassed in every way possible on Monday night.
0: Hey, at, at this point, is it in the Green Bay Packers' best interest to provoke Odell Beckham?
1: I think uh, I think they would have to be right because that. <laughs> That's kind of become the M.O. for Odell Beckham. And, you know, I, I love the guy. I think he plays with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, but sometimes too much heart and passion, oddly enough, can work against you. And, and let's be honest, you saw last night or, or Monday night, I should say, Vikings, Well, you know, a little late hit on Beckham out of bounds, doesn't get called. But Beckham gets right up, barks, and the refs are looking at Beckham to do stuff like that. And they have no problem flagging him, giving him the 15 yards. And right away, Beckham's head gets in the sand. I think if they could find a way to, to double-team him and shut him down early and not let Eli get any passes to him in the first quarter like they saw versus the Vikings, and then when he does get the ball, really just get in his head right away, that's, that's the way to stop Odell Beckham Jr. because he, he has no control over his emotions right now.
0: All right. Do you, do you see any advantages or disadvantages in that not only do the Giants have a short turnaround coming off Monday night football, but the Packers are coming off, we talked about, they're coming off a bye week. They get 14 days in between games.
1: Yeah, you know what? I tend to think that the advantage coming off a of bye week can somewhat be overrated. And, and you can and you can point right away to 2011 when these two teams met in the divisional round of the playoffs. The Packers came off a bye. The Giants came off well, winning a game at that time versus the Falcons. And the Giants completely shoved Green Bay around in their house and won the game. Now, on the flip side of that, the Giants were coming off feeling good about themselves off a win. When the Giants are coming off a short week on the road, with now so much controversy swirling in New York around uh, Ben McAdoo's ability to handle Odell Beckham or Eli Manning kind of saying that Beckham's brought stuff on himself, I think the Giants either have to, A, look at this as a positive that they're playing in six days and they can get the bad taste out of their mouth, or it could be a negative where this thing is just starting to spiral out of control and the Packers are sitting there licking their chops because they have, you know, they're getting healthy and, and they didn't sit there and get banged up on Sunday. So I think there's a little bit of, uh, of both, but I really wouldn't point one way or another because who really knows in this week-to-week league what team is going to show up?
0: Yeah, it's the Any Given Sunday League. Um, ben McAdoo, uh, new Giants coach, obviously somebody the Packers know very intimately. Uh, he made a name for himself in Green Bay. What do you think of the job he's doing with the Giants offense thus far? Well, I think Eli Manning's stats the
1: last two years when Ben McAdoo showed up as the offensive coordinator have gone you know really through the roof. His completion percentages is, is up. Everything about it is up. That being said, this year in particular with Ben McAdoo becoming the head coach and still retaining the play-calling duties, I think it's kind of backfiring on the Giants, so to speak, because their play-calling doesn't seem like it was the first two years where it was kind of get up to Beckham, go, let him make plays. And now this year when they have Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz, who they haven't had in past years with Beckham, I mean, they the first three weeks I think the trio of receivers had the most combined yardage of any trio in the National Football League. And it almost feels like Ben McAdoo has so many toys in the chest, so to speak, now, that he's getting away from what worked. And I think the offense that he's leading is kind of suffering. Now, if I was Ben McAdoo, what I would do is your offensive system's in place. You have Mike Sullivan as the offensive coordinator. Be more of a head coach now and be hands-on with other aspects and give the play calling up to Mike Sullivan. And I think the offense can improve from that just from having McAdoo's approach but not necessarily his hands-on play calling as he's focused on other duties. I think the play calling right now is suffering where it really didn't suffer the last two years. Uh,
0: How difficult, you know, if we take a big picture look at it here, how, how difficult will it be for Ben McAdoo to fill the shoes of Tom Coughlin, who, you know, was a Super Bowl winning coach in New York?
1: Well, anytime you fill the shoes of what's going to be a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame player or anything like that in sports, of course it's always difficult, and there are some signs of that. However, I don't think it's, probably nearly as difficult internally in New York as it probably appears to the rest of the country because Tom Coughlin, for as great as he was, legendary, you could argue he's the greatest Giants coach, maybe even better than Bill Parcells. There was a lot of uh, bad taste in every Giant fan in the media's mouth with Coughlin by the end where it just seemed like he had lost control of everything. And as far as Ben McAdoo now taking over, I think fans kind of were embracing it, and I think the media was embracing it just the change of culture and everything like that. And I think another thing that helps is that Ben McAdoo was here. He coached under Tom Coughlin. So as far as the players go, they were comfortable with McAdoo. They knew McAdoo. So it wasn't like some, um, you know, Johnny Come Lately was coming out of nowhere to take over their coach's shoes. It was a guy who was already in the locker room. So I think from fans, media, and even the players' sake, it's probably not nearly as difficult as it probably could have perceived to have been.
0: We're talking to Sham Marash of CBS Sports Radio here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Uh Sean, uh, another name Packers fans know quite well is Marshall Newhouse, although they don't quite Whoa. have fond memories of this player. How would you say he's doing in New York? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Marshall Newhouse has
1: probably been public enemy number 1 with New York fans. Now, he was signed by the Giants to be more or less their swing tackle and and depth and all of that, but last year uh, when he was brought in and to kind of be a reserve, Will Beattie got hurt in the offseason program. He ended up missing the entire season, forcing the Giants to take first-round pick Eric Flowers and make up their left tackle, which meant Marshall Newhouse was next up at right tackle. This year, they were so set in stone at keeping Flowers at left tackle despite his, his struggles that any left tackle who wanted to be a left tackle, I mean, you go down to list Russell Okung, Ryan Clady, uh, Donald Penn, and they had brought in and spoke to several of these free agents none of them appeared to be willing to switch to right tackle to have Flowers play left tackle. So, therefore, mm-hmm. the Giants were kind of stuck with Marshall Newhouse at right tackle. And I think Giants general manager Jerry Reese overplayed his cards and really tried to spin it and sell it to everybody that, ah, Newhouse would be fine, Newhouse will be fine. In the preseason, especially, the Giants fans and media alike scrutinized the Giants' offense. They couldn't get an offensive touchdown going up behind Eli Manning because the offensive line was getting destroyed, mainly the right side behind Marshall Newhouse, who was a turnstile. Now, Marshall Newhouse was part of the two wins at the Giants the first two weeks. He got beat up on some plays pretty badly, but he got hurt. He's been in a boot. It looks like he probably won't be good to go for this Packer game. And to be frank, they have a uh, a young right tackle by the name of Bobby Harder, who they directed in the second round two years ago, who has kind of stepped up his game and really filled in admirably. I wouldn't say necessarily great. But Newhouse, I think, is on the verge of never becoming a Giants starting right tackle again because, let's face it, the guy stinks. The guy is what he is. He's an average extra offensive lineman. He should have never been a starting right tackle to begin with. And all those bad memories you guys probably have in Green Bay, well, the Giants are living them. And the Giants fans are living them. And it's it's great and refreshing to see a young tackle like Bobby Hart hopefully steal his job away from Newhouse because the wonder Marshall Newhouse plays if he comes back the less of a chance we have of Eli Manning's consecutive game streak, you know, staying alive, because that's how much of a liability
0: he is. Packers fans were looking forward to going up against him finally, but anyway,
1: yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't bank on that. It might be Bobby Hart. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, so what do you see as the key to the game for the Giants uh, this upcoming Sunday against the Packers? I think this is cliche, but it's health. And the reason I say that is if you
1: watch the Monday night game with the Giants and Vikings, you saw a man by the name of Trevin Wade who I referenced uh, earlier. Now, that's a guy who was brought in to play special teams. He's kind of like the fifth cornerback. Now, the Giants have lost their first-round pick. Eli Apple had a hamstring issue. Uh, Dominic Rodgers-Cromartie, big-money corner they have, who's been excellent for them, had a tight coin. Neither played on Monday night. And and basically, the Giants were exposed. Norris Jenkins, pretty good on the other side. He'll probably cover Jordy Nelson most of this game. But if the Giants don't have – Competent, healthy corners, whether it be Apple or DRC, or hopefully both. And Trevin Wade is out there. Aaron Rodgers is going to eat him for lunch. Last year, the Giants played the New Orleans Saints in a track meet game, uh, You know, a game that was much talked about last year in New Orleans. And combined, the Giants had two corners. Trevin Wade and J. Ron Hosley were targeted 11 times, gave up 11 catches for over 400 yards and four touchdowns. That's how bad this guy is. Some good quarterbacks pick on Wade all day long. If Wade has to be out there as a starter, the Giants are – are basically, I mean, they're going to have no chance in this game. But if those two corners, like I said, DRC and Apple play, well, that's a big key for the Giants because their defense will play well, just like they slowed down Drew Brees with those guys in week two. I think the Packer defense isn't nearly as good as the Viking defense, so I think the offensive line will play a little better. I think the Giants will be able to put up some points. It's all about the defense without having that kind of corner out there being a liability.
0: Very interesting. Uh, how about a score prediction for the game?
1: All right, um, I'm not going to be Homer here because I don't believe that even if Apple or DRC play, that they will be healthy. So I'll give you the Packers win this game, but I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think this will be a tight game in the fourth quarter. I think Beckham gets on the board with a touchdown. I'm going to give you a 27-23 Packer win on Sunday night.
0: Okay, we we won't tell the folks in New York that you said that. Um <laughs> I just care. Do do you think this current Giants team derives any confidence, you know, playing on the road from those huge playoff wins over the Packers? You you alluded to that earlier back in 2011 and then 2007, the NFC championship game, or is that ancient history by now? Because those losses sure sting for a guy like me. I think it's ancient history for most of the team, but the one guy who
1: I think Packer fans could have nightmares about has got to be Eli Manning. Eli Manning's been here, done that with Green Bay in the past, and he has to be the guy with this young team and really step up and be a leader and show them the way because Manning's gone into Lambeau and hasn't even blinked in much more frigid temperatures than you're going to see, I would assume, in early October on Sunday night. That It's got to be on Manning to step up and go, listen, guys, I've been here before. You know, let me show you the way. The problem I have with that is Eli Manning, four touchdowns, four interceptions, you know, T D to interception ratio, not exactly what you want through four weeks. I'm not sure that Manning has the control in the ear of this team, at least from that standpoint right now, and you know, he's kind of throwing Odell Beckham under the bus post game and stuff like that, that I want to say those games are ancient history. It's a different team, different everything. And if and if Eli can't be that man that's, you know, even controlling Odell Beckham a little bit, how can I expect him to all of a sudden lead the way and, and bring up those games from 2007, 2011? So, yeah, I, I guess it'll help Eli mentally being in the building. But as a team in whole, that, that's ancient history.
0: And finally, something else I, I suppose. It just only happened a year ago, but it seems ancient history because he's already out of the game Uh, What did you make of the Giants' decision to release James Jones last season? Uh, Just in that he later signed with the Packers and he went to have 800 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: I hammered the Giants' releasing of James Jones last year because it made no sense.
0: And I could make the case that the Giants' releasing
1: James Jones last year might have, in many ways, cost them a chance at the division. And I say that because they opted... You know, first of all, the trust that Victor Cruz's health would be all right, and obviously, as we know now, that was about a year away from being accurate. And they went with a guy named Preston Parker. If you don't know who Preston Parker, is that's fine because he's out of the league already. Preston Parker ended up being the Giants' third receiver, at least at the beginning of last year. And first two games of the year last season uh, at Dallas, home against Atlanta, the Giants lost both those games. And they lost both those games for uh, you know a million reasons, but one major reason were drop passes by Preston Parker, who a guy who just was not ready. You know, basically, his head up, head up, you know what. And if James Jones is in that slot, he probably makes those catches. We saw how good he was for Green Bay down the stretch last year. It was really a puzzling decision, especially because you had James Jones signed for next to nothing. He had had a good training camp with them. And it really didn't make a lot of sense. And that was a team that probably could have used a veteran presence. And Jerry, uh, Jerry, Re- I'm, geez, I hope I'm not calling him Jerry Jones. Jerry Reese, the Giants general manager, has whipped on a lot of decisions in recent memory. That was one major one. Now, that being said, you look at what the Giants did this year, and they have Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz is healthy, that, okay, you know, James Jones is kind of, you know, ancient history, so to speak, to take a line from the last question. But that was a mind-boggling decision last year, and then really came back to haunt the Giants, because they probably could have had one more, if not two wins, and that changes the the complexion of the way December has played for the Giants last year.
0: Sean, before we let you go, you're a producer for the DA show on CBS Sports Radio. Can you just remind our audience when that airs? Uh, We are on, if we're going Central
1: Time, 5 to 9 Central Time. I know in Green Bay we are on 107.5 The Fan. Uh, A bunch of other stations all throughout Wisconsin. Uh, Come board the mothership any night you'd like. I know uh, there's always a ton of our Green Bay listeners. Joel, I'll shout out you. Joel D'Aluizio works on our show. Big Packer fan, writer for Lombardi Avenue. we got a lot of Packer insight on the da show every night monday through friday
0: sounds good we'll send our audience there and uh thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk some packers giants and uh enjoy the game this weekend thanks brian you too all right thank you to sean marash of cbs sports radio for joining us here at Railbird central as we continue on with the show packers news of the day all right so in packers news Everyone was back at practice earlier this week. The Packers returned from the bye on Monday, except two notable exceptions. Uh, Sam Shields and Jared Cook did not take part in practice on Monday. It's now two days later, so who knows? Maybe we'll see a miracle here, Uh, but more on them in a little bit. Uh, But what that did mean, though, with, with everybody else coming back is that Several players that missed the Lions game were back out on the practice field. That includes Clay Matthews, Morgan Burnett, Dayton Jones, and Latroy Guyon. So right there, four players who play big roles on the Packers' defense all back out on the practice field when they return from the bye, and that's certainly good news for the Packers' defense. Heck, the Packers' D looked good for the first half against the Detroit Lions without them, A little bit different in the second half, although you could argue that the secondary took the worst of it and um, the front seven still did pretty good regardless. Uh, But I think this can only be construed as, as good news for the Packers defense, getting four big contributors back. Obviously, still a few days to go. Nothing is, you know etched in stone that they're going to play this Sunday, but it's looking good, especially after getting a week off and a week to rest. It's looking like those, those four aforementioned players will be good to go. Uh, The concern, however, is still who's not at practice. And with Jared Cook still out with the ankle injury The Packers actually reportedly brought in two tight ends for workouts this week, according to Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com. They are veteran tight end Rob Hausler, uh, who entered the league with the Arizona Cardinals and played there for a few years before playing with the Cardinals and the Bears last season. And then they also brought in rookie J.P. Holtz, for a tryout along with linebacker Christian French. But tight end is the immediate concern here. And I wonder if the Packers will consider placing Jared Cook on injured reserve. Uh, it's it's really tough to say at this point. They've had kind of the week off to sit here and evaluate. And I suppose they don't have to make any decision on Cook until you know before the game if they don't want to. Um, but you know, for, for the time being, the Packers only have two healthy tight ends on the roster, and those are Richard Rogers and Justin Perillo. Now there, there was also a report from TMZ that Kellen Winslow is still holding out hope of signing with the Packers and This might jog your memory. You might remember the Packers actually worked Winslow out back in August, uh, although that's as far as it went. Um, And even though this report is coming from TMZ, remember that they were the ones who reported Eddie Lacy's workouts with Tony Horton of P90X. So even though TMZ might be annoying, they're not necessarily wrong. So take that news about Kellen Winslow for what you will, um, you know, you could look at it one way and, and say, well, if the Packers really wanted to get Kellen Winslow in here, maybe getting him in during the bye week would have been, you know, the perfect time to get him, you know, start learning the offense for a week or two while while everybody else is gone uh, but on the on the other hand, you can look at it like, well, they're still trying to decide what to do with Jared Cook. They don't know if he will place him on injured reserve or not. So it really is up in the air at this point. Uh, what's going to happen? So it's it's a situation that uh, that's going to be worth monitoring. If I had to sit here and guess, I'm going to say that Jared Cook misses at, misses at least. This upcoming game against the New York Giants, uh, I would tend to think he's going to miss even longer than that. But, you know, until we learn more, uh, I, I suppose we'll, we'll stop short of going any further than that at this moment. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Jared Cook, the, the biggest concern, not back at practice yet despite a week off. But in other news, so from from the bad news there uh, with Jared Cook to the good news, uh, wide receiver Jeff Janis returned to practice without a club cast. You know, he's been practicing all along, you know, the first three games of the season. He's played in all of them, albeit primarily on special teams. In fact, almost exclusively on special teams. I think he, he, he played three snaps of offense, and all when the Packers were in a kneel-down situation at the end of the game. So uh, it wasn't like he was out there to catch any passes or anything like that. Um, Now, that being said, Jeff Janis, no club cast, that's, that's good. I mean, that's giving him more mobility to make tackles. But as far as holding out hope that he's going to be a big part of the Packers' offense now that the cast is off, I wouldn't hold out much hope for that. I I think that, you know, maybe they'll get him involved in a spot here and there, maybe a handful of snaps a game, you know, but I would not, you know, anticipate him playing a great deal because, you know, through the first these first three games, the Packers have been going heavy on Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams. And everybody else, even though the other guys have been healthy, you know, we're talking about Jared Aberderis, uh, Trevor Davis, and Ty Montgomery. They've only played a handful of snaps, and they've been healthy. They aren't wearing a club cast. So I don't see much change in that all of a sudden getting Jeff Janis involved. Maybe he'll get a play here and there. But, you know, I, I just, you know, he'll continue to be a, the special teams demon and hopefully he'll be even better now that the cast is off and he can make tackles sure-handedly. Uh, but, no, I mean, I wouldn't expect a reprise of uh, what happened in the playoffs against the Arizona Cardinals. I, I just don't think that's going to happen right away. Maybe by the end of the season something changes and his his role gets bigger by the end of the year. But we're a long way from that right now uh, as the Packers, I think, are just going to try to keep doing what they're doing. They're having a moderate amount of success with Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and Devontae Adams. And then if they can just kind of figure out the next guy in, uh, I think they'll be all right. Uh, But I think they're going to kind of continue to go down that road for right now. Uh, the Green Bay Packers also filled their one practice squad spot this past week with rookie fullback Joe Carriage. And if that name sounds familiar, you you may remember, and you got to go back a few months for this, but Carriage was actually one of the Packers' 30 pre-draft visits, this according to Bob McGinn of PackersNews.com, I suppose at the time it was with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, when it was actually published, you know, like we're talking back during the month of May here, Um, but you remember, you know, during the the run-up to the NFL draft, the Packers can actually fly these guys out to their facility at Lambeau Field. Up to thirty of them, no more than that. Carriage was actually among them, and he was a college roommate of linebacker Jake Ryan back at Michigan. So I don't know if they got some inside information from from Jake Ryan. Uh, I doubt it, uh, but who knows? Um, but just kind of interesting that there there was a connection to Carriage in the past. He actually was in training camp with the Washington Redskins and I suppose it makes you wonder a little bit about the status of Aaron Ripkowski who got injured in the last Lions game but he was apparently back at practice this past week so um maybe the Packers just looking for depth here in case anything happens to Ripkowski but I don't think they're looking to bring Carriage up to the active roster anytime soon But he's on the practice squad for the time being, and who knows? Maybe he's a special team standout as well. Uh, But the roster is full for for now. Both the 53-man roster and the practice squad, it's totally full. So if the Packers are making any sort of changes, whether they want to sign a tight end or do anything else, they're going to have to make a move to do so. And, And maybe that's coming in the future. Maybe some changes are coming because... You know, one more week, and Mike Pinnell uh, will be back uh, with the Packers. Um, so, so the Packers going to have to do something then if they want to put him on the active roster. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, if that's the end of the football related news or the on field news, <laughs> there was just kind of interesting here, and I'm not going to spend long on this, but one. Brief piece of off-field news here uh according to packersnews.com um the the Packers will be hosting a Spartan race uh on June 24th of next year so 20, 2017 and this kind of goes back to their concerted efforts to make Lambeau Field a year-round destination and bring in people from outside the area um, it, you know, the Spartan Race is one of those obstacle course type of races where they're, you know, climbing walls and running through mud and things like that, and the thousands of people participate. And basically, it'll be taking place in and around Lambeau Field. Although they've they've said it will not take place on the grass of Lambeau Field, so you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, touching the field or anything like that, but they might they will use like the 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 con the the stands like the stairs, so the contestants may have to run up and down the stairs of Lambeau Field. Um, they might use the concourse, and they will use the parking lot, so things will be set out up there. But it really, you know, it's 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 the purpose for doing so is bringing thousands of people. To to Green Bay to Lambeau Field to eat here to drink here to spend money here at the pro shop and things like that You know, that's really the ultimate goal. Although I'm certain, you know, they love, you know, hosting an athletic race and things like that, too Uh, But you know the the big picture in mind here is that they're trying to make a little money off of it as well So there you go. There's there's the off-field news in terms of the Green Bay Packers Um, but next up the day ahead. All right, here on Wednesday, the Green Bay Packers will release their first injury report since the bye later Wednesday afternoon after practice. And, you know, I, I don't expect many surprises here because we've already heard the guys who have come back to practice, Matthews, Burnett, Guyon, and Jones, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be continuing to practice. Uh, the The only ones, you know, that, that you know, are really concerning here is Sam Shields and Jared Cook, who weren't practicing earlier this week. Uh, we'll see their status. You can hope for a miracle, but I wouldn't anticipate one. Uh, but we'll see what guys are maybe, uh, you know, if in that full practice category, full goal and maybe those who are limited participation. So we'll learn a little bit more on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Earlier than that, head coach Mike McCarthy hosts his uh, Wednesday press conference at 1045 a.m. Central Time. That'll be streamed live at Packers.com, and this takes takes place before practice. So he's probably not going to have a huge update on injuries until, you know, probably going to have to wait for that injury report after practice to get a better idea of who's doing what but Mike McCarthy will, you know, kind of preview the Giants game and talk about, you know, where they're at after the bye and things like that and their preparations. So there's that available to you if you are interested. And um that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. In fact, this is it for a week, folks i am on vacation until next wednesday and it is kind of weird i've been planning for six months of vacation to of all places south carolina and right now it is up in the air uh, with hurricane matthew out in the caribbean right now and heading towards the united states um i don't know what's going to happen whether perhaps this this vacation is going to happen or not um i've been hoping for a a change in the path of the hurricane that hopefully it goes out to sea instead of hitting landfall uh, my vacation is supposed to be in columbia south carolina which is not exactly on the coast it's about 100 100 miles inland uh but you know the whole entire state is or the coastal areas under state of evacuation and it's It's making things hairy out there, to say the least. Um, So uh, I'm going to continue to monitor the situation, and I'm not sure whether I'll be going on this vacation or not, but regardless, I need a break. There's going to be no show this Friday, this upcoming Monday. So enjoy the game. Enjoy the Packers in the meantime, and we'll recap this Giants game next Wednesday. Uh, with Nathan Yonke of profootballfocus.com. And uh, so we'll do that then. So uh, whether whether or not uh, I travel to South Carolina, I'm going to be having a vacation regardless, even if it's in my own living room, and just going to enjoy things for a while, watch the game with a beer in my hand perhaps. So uh, we'll see you folks. Have a good weekend. We'll see you in a week. Um on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Carvu. My call to action is always as usual. If you've not done so already, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall, not even a commercial. Um, so if you could do us a solid, head over there. Give us the five-star rating and a brief little review. doesn't have to be anything long. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And uh, that'll do it. We'll see you, folks. I leave you today with a song called Ace in the Hole by the Radiators on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.